Right, uh, so I'll do the intro on this one for a change, seeing as you never let me do it on EGTE. Right, welcome to the Apprentice One-to-One podcast. I'm Mark, the host, Mark Allison, and as promised on the last episode with Matthew, we have another guest, and there's no pressure on this one. He is only the finest podcast host in the electrical industry, bar none, and I can be the official judge to that because I've listened to virtually every single podcast that has ever been released by any electrical content providers, and this man with me now is Numa Una, and... It is Sam from the Electrician's Guide to Everything. How are you this evening, Sam? I'm very well, mate. I don't know if I deserve that intro. Um, it's nice of you to say, but I'm, I'm a little bit embarrassed by it, but whatever. Don't be embarrassed because it's true. It's true. And uh, it, need, it needed saying, to be fair, because you bring a lot to the electrical industry and I don't think you get the credit you deserve for it. And I'm going to start right from the outset because you've taught me one thing, and that is people don't listen to the end of podcasts. So I want to get this in nice and early. I don't think you even know this, but through uh, the Electrician's Guide to Everything, you have brought 43 people into new employment through the COVID pandemic. So that's 43 apprentices. I mean, you said right at the start, you don't think apprentices listen to the Electrician's Guide to Everything. That's wrong, because they do. And a number of employers have come forward and taken um, lads and lasses on into jobs directly because of the exposure you gave to Apprentice One-to-One right at the outset um, when you didn't have to do anything at all with it because it was just me talking nonsense. So, you know, cheers for that, mate. It needs uh, a bit of gratitude there from those people to you guys and myself as well. Well, it's a really nice, it's a really nice thing that um, I'm quite humbled by that because actually, you know, when we set out to do the podcast, it was just a bit of fun. And, you know, it's nice to, it's nice to see that, you know, that bit of fun's turned into, something where we've given even if it even if we done got one person in that would have been fan, like i don't know i'm a little bit i'm a little bit um taken back by that that's a lovely thing uh, but what i will say is it isn't just me it's um and, and historically it hasn't just been me it's been you know the egt crew the historic crew of uh, nil um and before that it was me and rick um, now we've got the new crew, um, Amy, Nick, and yourself, obviously. Um, yeah, it's just, you know, it's a bit of fun. And if it resonates with people, then we're doing the job right, aren't we? Yeah, it, it's it's a great podcast. It always has been. And um, it has put a lot of people into Apprentice One to One because at the beginning of my journey with all this, um, a lot of people, surprisingly, didn't want to be involved. And, and you guys, straight from the outset, pushed it across all of your social media got manufacturers involved who would probably have never ever spoken to me um so you are largely responsible for for a lot of what's happened and we're getting on for a total of 300 people now so who knows how many of those indirectly you've helped get into jobs as well um but primarily the reason for getting you on because i want to hear your side of um your take on the apprenticeship system because you've had a you've had a union before you've been out on the curl face you've spoken to so many people in this trade if anybody has spoken to um, electricians in this game it is you you've spoken to all these other social media influences people on the ground through your union days and even now out on site so i wanted to know what what you think of the, the system you're there seeing it as it is with these nvqs and 
AM2. We spoke about it on Monday Club before and privately, how you can go off and buy these things. So what's your thought on how it is right now out on the coalface? Well, all I can really say at this stage is when I started out as an electrician, I was older. So I was in my mid-20s and I went to Bromley College. I stood there in the queue questioning whether I was going to do it or walk away, do it or walk away. So all these young kids in the queue and I was like, this is ridiculous. Anyway, for some reason I saw it through and I'd done uh, every Monday for three years going to college. Um, and the other the other days I would, I worked on social housing, agency jobs. Um, I worked for free. Um, I worked for, yeah, I'd, I'd done whatever it took to get uh, experience and get my apprenticeship over the line. Now, would I say that that, that I got my qualifications legitimately? Um, I went through college and got my qualifications through the college. Whilst I was at the college, they was quite loosey-goosey with getting you over the line. Mm. So it wasn't like a strict bar that you had to meet to get your qualifications. If you got there or thereabouts, they're going to help you over that line by hook or by crook. Yeah. Um, and at the time, that's brilliant because actually, because actually you're, that is my goal. I want that gold card no matter what. I was obsessed with getting that gold card. It's the proudest moment of my life until I obviously got married and had a baby that I had my gold card. I was like, I've done it. Fucking achieved something. Sorry, can we swear on this? Of course you can. Of course you can. Yeah, and I was like, I've achieved something. Bloody hell. Like, um, and I was, I was so chuffed with it. The problem with it was I didn't really know what I was doing when I come out of college in any capacity. I could do I could do a bit of trade, do a bit of conduit. Um, I could do any type of containment to a good level, quick, neat, um, well thought out. You could give me a set of drawings and I'm, I'll smash it in for you. Um, and I sort of, when it comes to like two-way switching and stuff like that, I was like, oh, leave me out. Um, grid switches, leave me out. Do you know what I mean? I would do everything not to do those type of jobs. Um, and I sort of got stuck into just being a metal muncher, as, as it's called in the trade. I'm sure everyone's heard that term. Um, metal munching is essentially just doing all the containment on commercial jobs. Um, and I got, and I've done that for years and years, just really shying away from anything outside of containment, you know. Um, and it wasn't till recent years and. And I'll be very honest about this. It wasn't until recent years when I really started taking it seriously and throwing myself back at these jobs that I would have shied away from before as, and, and gone for that. So it's been a long process of me trying to get up to speed um, because my apprenticeship was so disjointed. I wouldn't say it was shit mm. because it was me running my own apprenticeship. I didn't really work for a company. I worked for a couple of geezers here and there. I worked for a couple of um, agencies here and there, a couple of direct firms here and there. I worked for free. And I'd done all these things to gain experience, but I was really not shown the right way to do things most of the time. So it, 
I used to, so one of the biggest firms out there that take on apprentices is T Clark. Yes. Now, all of their guys, so they've got a bit of a metal munching culture, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Um, they'd like to do a bit of metal munching and stuff like that. But what you can guarantee is their guys know the game inside and out. Because all them, they're all lifers on T Clark. So they've been T Clark man and boy. So when they get an apprentice on there, that apprentice gets gets arm put around him and shown yeah. the way. And I worked on so many T Clark jobs over the years, and I always look at their apprentices and I always say, you don't know how lucky you are to have a firm like that and the wealth of experience around you. Um, it was funny. Years and years ago, I worked on a job in Selfridges um, for T Clarks. It was a uh, £175 pound a night. It was just on the outside of the recession. I'd just qualified as a spark. And it was it was rough because it was night work. It's 175 quid. Um, and you was there the, all the hours. It wasn't just like a bit of a touch. You was there uh, knocking it out. And I was working with a young apprentice there. Good lad he was. I can't remember his name for the life of me. But he was a good lad and he was an apprentice there. Then about two years ago, I was at the Google job over King's Cross. Hmm. Is it King's Cross or St. Pancras? It's around there somewhere. I think that's where they built it, wasn't it? Yeah, they've got a massive Google complex. I bumped into him up there because I was working on a T. Clark job again. And uh, he now does all the testing. He's looking at becoming a, like, going into the office because he's coming to the end of, like, his usefulness as tested as a tester. Brilliant. He's, like, he's outgrown it a bit, you know? Yeah. And I was like, bloody hell. Like, and he's still there, man and boy. Now he's 20-odd. He's got yeah. all he's got all his tickets and that. And I guarantee you won't find a better tester. You won't find a better metal muncher. Nah. And that's the value of getting a proper apprenticeship with someone like that. Um, like a T. Clark apprenticeship for commercial. I, th- yes. I think they're probably offer some of the best apprenticeships from my experience i might be completely wrong but i'll always look at them with envy and think you know what you don't know what you've got you're not the only person i've heard say that's about them sam and that's um i've had experience of that as well you are spot on and uh, there's a lot of apprentices who've probably gone through that process who haven't realized quite how lucky they are um, because for every every everyone in a company like T. Clark, there's maybe 20 or 30 who are just like struggling around, probably going through three or four employers trying to get through. For every great college, you've got like like Tresham. Um, there's probably five or six that are terrible. And it's it's a system that needs investment for me. It needs it needs time. It needs something because the number of apprentices who have been getting in touch with me basically saying that their employers are mugging them off and not letting them go to college or um, just having them do basic labouring jobs and not an actual electrical apprenticeship and that they're not being taught properly in the colleges either. I mean, I know we've had the COVID thing, so a lot of colleges haven't been open for the last, you know, over the last six months, but even so before that. So, you know, it's a system which we're holding up as an industry standard, but it doesn't seem that industry's looking after it very well, I don't think. It's a funny thing because actually um, I wonder, I wonder what, what the problem actually is is it the governance of the of the programs like the uh, the apprentice program is it the mindset of many of the um companies that employ apprentices have got it all wrong they're mm. trying to like instead of like instead of having a balance of you know we've got to make money out of you 
um, but we want we want to invest in you and produce the best spark we can. Um, it's a well-known thing when you when you when you come out your time as an electrician with a company that you have to leave that company straight away because mm-hmm. they'll never give you the money that you think you deserve when you come out of your time. Yeah. You're always like, no, well, um, I'll put you through college. I don't really need to pay you the same as the other sparks. And that causes resentment and stuff like that. And I wonder if it's a mentality with the companies not getting that balance right and putting the effort and the time into these guys and really looking at them as an investment. Because like Neil says, he had takes on apprentices to mould them to what he needs for his particular type of work. Now, yeah. he can't... He says like, it's very difficult for him to find someone who has done a an, an apprenticeship somewhere else to come in and gel with his team, be up to scratch with this type of work they do. So he will invest in that person to bring them on give them a, a, a nice avenue to earn. Now, I think I think that's a really good form, but I don't know if it works outside of just a rail. It's a great idea, um, and it's kind of like what T. Clark do, I suppose, so maybe it does. Um, I'm talking my thoughts as they come in. It's, I think, a well-run apprentice programme from the company with, like, with the view that you're investing in your company by growing a spark that that knows your uh, company's ethos, its um, standards, everything about your company is ingrained in that apprentice. That's invaluable when they come out their time, surely. Yeah, absolutely. If you've got someone who you've trained to be um, the actual employee you want ultimately there's nothing better and you make a lot of great points in what you've just said sam because you've got experience on the on the coal face of what's actually going on out there with sparks going through an apprenticeship and this is something i've tried to get into matthew that he's had a job at the end of it sat waiting for him but there's a lot of lads out there who don't and that's why i was asking him about courses that you can do to make yourself more attractive to an employer after you've done your apprenticeship and um yeah it's not it's not all rosy, is it? That's the that's the harsh reality of it all. And that's one of the reasons I wanted to speak with you specifically, because you have a lot of knowledge working in the agency sector and the route you've had into the trade and through your union days of what it is actually like. And I think we need to have some honest discussion in the industry of what it is actually like, rather than everybody um, you know, trying to level up with training. We've got a we've got a bigger fire in the in the game that we need to get put out for me. Yeah, I think I think the, the the feed into into the industry is a problem. I think um, it's funny today. I was talking to a lovely young lady um, called Danny um, from Instagram. She's I know you're in contact with her as well. Yeah. Um, she's a bit of a late in life change um, when it comes to her career. She's stepping away from being a mum, and now she wants to be a spark and. She had no idea of how the industry worked, what to do. She she wants to be a domestic electrician. Who does she talk to to get there? Um, what experience does she need? Um, and she's signed up to one of these, these short courses. Um, and is that wrong? It's not wrong. Mm. But is it going to be useful for her? And unfortunately, I don't think it is. Because they're sold a dream on these short courses that is just not viable. Um, there is 
absolutely no way that you can do a short course and go on site and even as a even a free uh, an electrician's mate who's been in the game three years will know more than you even with all your qualifications after a 12-week course mm-hmm. not do a you chance know what I mean? <laughs> it, like if like I've, I've I've worked with them on sites before, and you know, sling them a, a zeb. I say, oh, go and grab us some zebs. What's a zeb? Mm. You know, and it's little things like that, the nuances that you're not going to pick up. And when it comes to working in people's homes, you've got to be, you can't just be slinging it in. Um, you really got to, you really got to have the knowledge to be able to go into someone's house and do a job without ruining their house. That's a big responsibility as well. Um, but your de- what you need is time on the tools over a prolonged period of time before you're allowed to go out. Now, the whole idea with the, the, with the apprentice training route at the moment is you do your, <clears throat> you do your coursework uh, and you do your qualifications. You get to a point where you're tested on your knowledge. So you... You learn your, your, your core knowledge, your, your Ohm's law and all that sort of stuff. You sit down, you learn your cable calcs and all that, how to use a book properly. All them things, which is great. It's good stuff to know. But the, where the short courses fail and the normal course wins is because if I say to you, here's eight hours of learning, right? Here's eight hours of learning on a particular topic. Go and practice that next week. I'll see you Monday. Mm-hmm. And we'll start another topic. But short course goes, here's eight hours of learning on this topic. Uh, I'll see you tomorrow. Here's another eight hours on this topic. I'll see you tomorrow. And by the end of yeah, you, yeah, you've got the knowledge, but you haven't had time to put that to practical use. Yes. And that for me is um it is the biggest failing in the short courses. There's people that could come out of the army with loads of knowledge, but haven't got them the the set of standards for uh, a gold card i know yep. there's something going on with that at the moment yeah but th- that to one side historically someone comes out of the army they don't have the set of qualifications to get a gold card they do a short course bam they get their gold card great because they're yes. going to know their, they're going to know their job inside and out yes no one trains better than the army end no. of no <clears throat> so for me they do have a place but these poor people that are being sold a dream do the short course, go out, be an electrician, earn 200 quid a day. You're insane. And mm. if you're doing that, you're irresponsible. Um, but you've been sold the dream. How do you know? How exactly. do you know? Exactly. You've said that better than I ever could. And we've got some prime examples of people who have done short courses and come through into the trade, and it's been perfect for them. That's uh, Stuart Cater, who's kind of gone down that route a bit, and Jonathan Steed as well. They've also... Savo, David Savory... Yeah, his first course was was that I think. Yeah, and, and then he gonna... went back and done it properly. He's got an electrical engineering qualification as well, hasn't he? So I mean, it does have a place, but the issue is, as you said, when it's mass sold to the masses, people coming out of say um, working in a supermarket or a bank with no prior technical training or knowledge at all, to be told, you know, you can earn forty, fifty, sixty. The numbers get higher every time, don't they? Thousand pound a year oh, than an electrician, and we can get you there in, in a matter of weeks, and then. At the same time, we're asking like small domestic traders why they aren't employing apprentices anymore. And they're like, well, hang on a minute. 
we're competing against all these people who've come out, sold this dream, and we're desperately trying to get the money back, working for not very much. And the customers don't see the difference. They don't see the difference between us and them. How the hell are we supposed to employ anybody and make a living for ourselves? And it's a kind of a vicious cycle um, where we get the money in the industry is there. It's a billion pound industry, the electrical trade, but there's parts of it that are having um, money taken out through training companies. And even the CPSs have, have an element of responsibility in that as well. Um, that's preventing the apprenticeship system from thriving like it used to many, many years ago, the, I think. Well, my biggest problem with the apprentice system is, is twofold. So obviously the short courses. So even if you do your MVQ and your AM2, right? So we know that there's companies out there right now where you can send them 1,500 quid. They send you a portfolio. <clears throat> you sling in a few pictures. You sign the bottom. You send it back. You've done your MVQ level three. That makes a mockery of the system. Um, and before, like even without that, if I get last year's MVQ level three off of someone and yeah. I copy it and I change the pictures, I copy it in my own handwriting or whatever, I change the pictures, I hand that back in, teacher's not going to go this is last year so this is uh Stuart matthews from last year they don't care they it's got to get them over the line got to get them over the line that's what's important at a college not all but generally in my experience it was what it is get it over the line give him last year's one get him to copy it get it over the line and then the am2 now both these ideas the mvq level three and the AM2 are fantastic ideas in practice. Mm. So if you really put together a portfolio with written understanding of the jobs you're doing over a prolonged period of time and presented that as your know-how, it's the only real way you can present wide variety of work over a period of time is with a portfolio. Fantastic. That's a fantastic tool. But how many people do that legitimately? Oh, I would venture half, 50%. Probably. Yeah, best. <laughs> then, the, then the AM2. So now here's the AM2. Um, people will say it's not hard enough, then it gets harder, and then it gets easier. Not interested in the standard of it. What I'm saying is the AM2 is a brilliant idea. Here's your final test. Knock this out get this done to the right standard um, follow the right guidelines and get it done correctly and we will give you your, uh, an AM2 qualification off you go, go and get your ticket, brilliant <clears throat> well the thing is it's not particularly difficult um, if you've been trained right because essentially it's just wiring, uh, when, when I did it it was just wiring containment wiring up a few bits and pieces doing a bit of two way switching you know, they weren't really that strict. The, the testing portion of it was uh, handed to you on a plate. That was my experience. But the, since I've heard there's a different thing going on now where actually they give you, um, you can you can pay, I think it's like 800 quid or something, and you get a week um, pre-AM2 really? course wow. where you get to practice the AM2 a week before, like a refresher, like a, I don't know, an intensive course. Do you remember wow. the intensive driving um, test? Yes, yes. When you were a kid, you'd be like, oh, I'm going to do the intensive one, get it done in a week. Do you know what I mean? So you do the intensive AM2, and then you take your AM2 the next week, boom. 
It's all yeah. there. So essentially, that's not. Yeah, you know how to do the bits on the AM2, but can you do them in any scenario outside of the AM2 booth? This is the problem. And what you're what you're getting is people with all the tickets. Like I worked out that I could take someone off the street and get them a gold card probably in six months mm. with could, no electrical knowledge. You could see that happening, couldn't you? Certainly with just I some of the... I could definitely do it. I could yeah. definitely do it. Put them on a site, they'd be, they'd be screwed. <laughs> they'd be screwed. They'd get found out straight away. And um, that's the issue, isn't it? They would get found out straight away, so they tend to end up in the domestic area when people have gone down that route. Which I think, which kind of feeds into the problem still. And, and and there's so many things that feed into going into like a domestic situation. And there's like that can only be bought with experience. And and you know, working with an experienced person who go who's actually willing to pass that knowledge out of their brain verbally through their mouth into your brain. And you know, it's it's little things like I don't know. You've got you've got some lights up, um, and one don't, and you turn them on. They don't turn on. It's only got twelve volts or less than two forty going through it. And you're like, oh, why is that? There's a neutral out somewhere. Every single yeah. time it'd be a neutral out. Put that in, it all lights up. Now things like that, you would you would know in your head because you're a seasoned spark. It's a neutral. Drop the lights. Let's find a neutral that's popped out. It's that simple. Yeah. Um. But for someone fresh out of one of these quick courses, they're going to be scratching their heads, walking around. Well, it could be this, you know. Yeah. Getting a book, phoning up, Googling, GSH Electrical, what's going on? Do you know what I mean? That's what they'll be doing. Um, that's the problem with the apprenticeship at the moment. It's fragmented. It's unregulated. Um, and I think across the electrical industry, this is the same problem. There is no sort of... It's regulated, but not really. It's it, it's just... It's a bit of the Wild West, isn't it? It is. I mean, I'd like to see it more more employer-led. So employers like T. Clarks, like Niels, uh, UK's Real, like Nick Bundy, and myself on a smaller scale. People like that really taking the lead on training the next generations of apprentices up. So you can teach them the nuances of working safely in commercial and domestic environments. But it does, it does need the funding looking at, um, you know, coming back towards a different angle on it. There's a lot of older guys in the game who don't have an apprenticeship, but are perfectly able, able and capable electricians. Um, but they could never actually sit the NVQ again, because why the hell should they have to? And, and also that perhaps some of them aren't um, as good with the old textbooks as perhaps they should be. Very competent on the tool. Yeah, very competent on the tools. There's people who you would trust your life on to wire a factory or your house up properly, but to ask them to, to tell you why they're using a particular cable type or containment method and the regulations regarding it, you know, they won't be able to do it. And that doesn't make them bad electricians. You know, that's just the nature of how they were trained a long time ago. And the fact that they can't get gold cards in that instance, you know, is a bit of a shame to it, I think, um, because they are actually competent and uh, professional electricians. It's funny because there's people out there that will argue, you know, um, you back up your your competency with a qualification. Now that's all well and good, but we I I know as well as anyone, 
you've got like super geniuses that uh, on the tools, like can do anything. Bend mm. a bit of tube in, bend, bend a bit of tube into a chair. Do you know what I mean? Yes. With one bit of tube, yes. And they can do that. They can look at, they can look at the wall, and it, and it, and they know exactly what angle bends to do, and like a real odd way. They go on the bend and go bosh, 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 put that up to the wall. And you're like, how have you done that? Yes. Seeing guys do that, it's incredible, isn't it? But they don't have a clue about the uh, the latest uh, rigs amendments and the uh, on-site guide and stuff like that. They're like, no, I know what I'm doing. Like they yeah. know what they're doing. Their practical application of of knowledge is beyond that of people that know the the rigs inside and out. And you're always going to have that dichotomy across the industry. You're going to have super practical people. You're going to have super smart people. And what happens is those practical people, they stay at the lower levels where they, you know, they're working with the guys and not necessarily on the tools, but they'll be saying, they'll be their problem solving on the ground, like as management supervisor, foreman, project manager, something like that. And then the other guys will become designers and go up the chain that way or business owners or even, you know, but what I'm saying is with those with those type of uh, people, how important is the gold card when it comes mm. to their knowledge? It doesn't, actually doesn't mean a thing. No. So, and the, the, there is that mentality that runs through the industry, gold card don't mean nothing. It bloody does. Still does today, you're right. I mean, how many sites are you going to get on without it, if you've been honest, as an electrician? You might get on them as a, an improver or a, a labourer or whatever they call them these days, but you're not going to get on as a spark, are you? No, you're, you're not. Um, like I'm working with a guy now, Mick, his name is. Um, grumpy old bastard, um, but it's very nice guy. Um, he he started out in the coal mines years, really? years ago. Yeah, he was a miner um, down in Ashford. Is it Ashford? I don't know. Down the way somewhere. And he was a, he was a miner. And when the mines closed, he come out of the mines, uh, bummed about a bit, got into electrical, boom. He doesn't like anything to do with like the, the books or anything like that. But I tell you what, he's called me more than once. He knows it inside and out. He ain't super confident about it. Go and ask, go and ask the boss, right, is this, 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 and this? And they'll ask him the same question 50 times just to make sure it's in his head. Then they'll go and apply it and it'll be better than anyone else's you've seen. Mm. and he's consistent you show him how to do one every single one will be exactly the same of a good level done properly now he earns i don't know three four quid less than less than an electrician working next to him why mm. it's a good point if he's producing the right um quality of work and uh, that comes that you know it boils down to the fact that you know, people have often been left out through education when they were younger. They didn't get the chances that, that we did, maybe. So they're not as a fair with um, multi-choice exams or they don't have the inclination to want to do them. And, you know, now because they don't have that bit of paper and gold card, they can't earn the same money. Is it fair? Probably not. But I guess I guess industry has to put has to put a mark somewhere, I suppose, don't they, I think? But I don't have the answer either. But like, I was just thinking, imagine if they had, like... JIB assessors that come to site, someone like him, and they work with him for a week. So they yes. just shadowed him for a week. And they're like, asked him questions, and if he knows the answers and stuff like that, and you know, watched his work and went, and whether they could award him like a, um, 
honorary gold card or something that will get him paid as an electrician. I don't know. Is that like? But I'll get absolutely crucified for that. Do you know what I mean? Because people will be like, no, he's got to go and learn all the regs and all that. Maybe, yeah, maybe he has got to do the 18th edition, show he's got the 18th edition, and then have someone shadow him and say, right, let's see what your work's about. Mm. I won't. It's, a, it's for, a funny thing. It is. And for every person that, that's like that, we're looking at the practical side, there'll be loads of people who've got more bits of paper after the game and qualifications going, but chuck them on site and they'd be useless. You know, so it works. It works. But I've seen both sides of that. I've seen some of the most qualified and knowledgeable people you could imagine to do with the electrical industry. They will know the far end of a fart about every single breaker and board and the reasons why you would use it and, uh, you know how you design it but ask them to go onto site and install it and these are people who are supposed to be electricians and and they couldn't do it it's it's um it's a funny thing because actually i don't know what the answer is i haven't got a clue i haven't got a clue i know what the problems are yeah and i know what some of the solutions could be but really and truly it the where the industry is quite fragmented in terms of like its leadership so when you look at the not really governing bodies, there isn't really one, but if we're going to call them something, let's call them the governing bodies. When you look at someone like the NIC, the ECA, um, even Unite the Union to a certain extent because they represent the sparks and the tools, um, when you when you see that, how much, like, you don't really get any engagement because they're so worried about criticism damaging their brand. Yes. Um, and actually, that engagement is essential, I think, um, because although they're getting the feedback, they're very slow to react to the feedback. Um, they have that. But on the flip side, they add incredible value to the industry and they're playing, they're playing this game where they're adding value to the industry, taking as much as they can out. But there's no sort of. There's very little interaction. There's very little um, dialogue between um, electricians on the coalface and these governing bodies. Um, and I don't think they're doing enough to sort of galvanise the industry. I think I think it's quite, dare I say it, selfish of them, what the way they're playing it. Um, what, I mean, they know what they're doing has gotten to the party up until now. Why can't they change it and give it a go talking to people and trying to like understand what's good? Now, what what really worries me, and if, if we talk about someone like the IET, um they're starting to interact. They're trying to they're trying to, you know, talk to um, people in the know, talk to people, you know, who've got a big voice in the industry, trying to find out and have these conversations to sort of find out what's going on on the ground. And what, what you're actually finding is um, they don't know stuff that uh, that's quite alarming, like buying a um, an MVQ. Mm. The MVQ level three is like the baseline for everything. SparkSafe, another one, they didn't know about you could go and buy an MVQ level three. Yeah. You know, and... And that's a really damaging thing. If you could go and buy an MVQ level three in a legitimate fashion, so where there's no sort of repercussion for doing that, there's no like, it's not worth any less than someone who's worked for it, that devalues everything in the apprentice scheme and therefore devalues the qualification across the board. So when yeah. you've got people like 
unite and rank the rank and file saying, listen, you know, you're only a gold card if you've done the apprenticeship, if you've done the MVQ and you've done it like how we say, or you've got the um, the JIB dishing out gold cards based on this certain set of criteria, but you can buy that certain set of criteria and no one's sort of no one's sort of taking on the fact that you can buy this criteria so it devalues everything. Like if I was a savvy um, electrician's mate, I would just go and pay fifteen hundred save up, pay fifteen hundred quid for that for the uh, MVQ level three. Bosh, got that. Um, the soon as I get my as soon as I get my um, gold card, I'll earn that money back in in a month. Yeah. Maybe it's in, say say you've done it easy, right? So you've done it easy, you've got it. Now three months late, you've bought that MVQ back out of your money because yeah. you're going to earn another two hundred and fifty quid a week. Do you know what I mean? So it's it, that's it's just nonsense. This, this this is one of the reasons I wanted you on for that honest talk. That's the whole idea of this Apprentice Once Upon podcast is to get people speaking honestly about what it's actually like. And what you've just described is a scenario I'm aware of happening because there's apprentices who've been in touch with um instagram asking you know can we go down this route and just pay to get it finished because i can't find an employer the college is going to get rid of my place anyway i, I don't want to have wasted the last two or three years i'm just going to you know bang it on a credit card get the qualification and off i go and, you know you're trying to tell those people don't do that stick with it and but you can totally see that point of view with the way the but systems stick with it yeah you, so you're so you're in a class right so you and your mates you're in a classroom you're in a whatsapp group now so everyone out, out of 10 of you five of you have lost your uh, apprenticeship you're kicking about you've got six months left to your of your course you're so close to your gold card you can taste it hmm. and then out of, one of them goes mate i'm buying it i'm gonna have my gold card in a month and you go no i'm gonna do mine the right way i'm gonna do it no matter what and if it takes me two more years i'll do that okay great that's good for you but why would they do that when their mate has just gone out and bought it? And now he's got his gold card. I'm working as a spark, mate. Because that it devalues everything. Okay, mm. you can say, well, you've got to be a, like, you've got to have a bit of self-respect and do it properly. Why? That's the economic reality, isn't it? That people are faced yeah. with those decisions. That you've got a family to feed or you want to get on in life and start earning decent money. And it's not your fault that you can't complete this training. You have you know, tried to go down the right road, but been prevented. I don't, I don't blame anybody who is making that decision and, at the moment. Not, Although I am trying to encourage them not to. I don't blame this them. This is what I'm saying. It's not an illegitimate route either because it exists to buy it. If you yeah. go on a website and buy it, and it's all accredited. It's all um, City and Guilds accredited or EAL or whatever it is. It's all accredited. It's good. It's yeah. good. And that's why we need to have these honest discussions because there's people like you say, like the IET and, and like Sparksafe, who maybe don't have their, their head in the sand, but they're not aware of these things, or at least they say they're not. And, and why not? Because everybody in the trade is. We all see it happening. Um, you know, what are they actually doing to try and help us change that and make it better? What about sitting guilds in the AL? Like they're like, yeah. oh look, like it's like when your dog poos in front of someone, you sort of look away, like what's that? Yeah. What's that over there? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I didn't see it. Well, what? Do you know what I mean? Like, you yes. know that's you know that's happening. There's no mm. way these organisations don't know that's happening, right? Yeah, yeah. Stop it, stop it. So you're allowing that to happen. So by allowing that to happen, you're legitimising that route. Yeah. 
So oh. all we're doing is, is making a mockery of the system. And until things like that are addressed, there's no point addressing anything else. So first and foremost, we've got to address the the MVQ issues, the um, the training, the refresher course for um, the AM2 is the second thing. And then by virtue, that should sort out the short courses because like to do a short course and then buy an MVQ, you can't do. You've got to go out and you've got to do. You've got to do the time, put the time into the book, do the work for the book, get your portfolio done, then present it to to the the correct people and get your get your qualification the right way. All the time, you can go out and buy an MVQ level three. Why wouldn't you? It's a good. It's a good. It's hard to argue with, isn't it? It really is. Listen, really when is. I when I was doing when I was like probably when I was doing this, I, like doing my one, the thought, like all I could probably think about at the time was, oh, I need a new van because I had my own van I was, as an apprentice. I still had my van and that. I, oh, I want a new van. I want the new VW Transporter or whatever it is, and then I, I want new wheels on it, and I want a full Dewalt kit. I want it all racked out. And I'm like a, I'm like an obsessive fiend about stuff like that. If it gets in my head until <laughs> I bought it, like it's all I can think about. And you know, I'd be thinking about that, and I'd be like, six months doing an MVQ, or I can just legitimately buy it off this website. Well, I'm buying it. It'll be bought. You know, yeah, yeah. it wasn't a thing at the time. It, yeah. It's it's a mental situation um, that you can go and buy a qualification that really should take you six months to a year. Yes, absolutely, it is. It is. I want to. I want to bring it away from that for that for a second, though, because I couldn't have you come onto the podcast without talking about tools of some sort. I asked Matthew the same question. It's not the same as your EGTE questions. Oh, it's it's a little, little bit different. Uh, if there is a, still any apprentices listening, a lot of them are asking, you know, what's the best tool set to get with get with get at the startup. So, say you've got hundred quid in your pocket, and you want to get sorted out with a basic hand tool set to use in in the college. What would your recommendation be? Having been a seasoned spark on the tools, what would you suggest they go to? Um, go and get a decent pair of croppers, not side cutters. Get a decent pair of croppers. Get a pair of side cutters because it's good to use both. Get a feel for them. Um, I would stay away from. Not stay away. That's wrong. I never liked CK. They do great quality stuff. It, it's fine. It, it's just when I was doing when I was buying CK. They're screwdrivers. Like, there's apprentices won't know who this character is, but Ronald McDonald. <laughs> and I felt like the screwdrivers reminded me of Ronald McDonald days at McDonald's. And I couldn't, I just can't stand looking at them. So I always used to have Barco screwdrivers. Now, my choice now is Weeha. Like, um, I will be going for, I'm going to, I've got a new bag um, and I'm going to be. Stocking it up with Weeha tools, I think they look beautiful to look at. They're, they're, it's just the way they're machined and stuff. It's really sad, isn't it? But they're just nice looking things, um, and they're really good quality. I think they're on par with Nipex, if, in my opinion. Um, they're just, I don't know, I like them. I like Weeha at the moment. I'm, I'm fully in um, on Weeha. Their screwdrivers are very good. I'm probably not even saying the name right. Um, I get it wrong as well. I've been told it's like it is Weeha. I was saying Weeha for ages, but it is Weeha. You're right. Yeah, um, I like their stuff. I like um, 
Yeah, I like Wii has stuff. Good shout, good um, shout. It's nice gear. I've got a lot of the the, the Wii stuff myself, and like you say, the screwdrivers are decent. The torque drivers from them um, are much easier to adjust and work with for me. So that's that's a good shout. If if don't, also, go on, carry don't on. Buy Weira. No. Don't skink yourself buying Weira when you're an apprentice, and I tell you why, because you will lose it. <laughs> you will be leaving it in the in the ceiling on somewhere one, and you'll be paying 35 quid for another spanner it's that yeah. simple i think go every cheap, go cheap as an apprentice every spark hour ridge has got a whole tool set left on site or in someone's loft or under someone's floorboards oh. by our ridge it's going to happen <laughs> listen the worst story i've got is i um i've got out i've got out my time and at the time these 10.8 makitas were really sexy thing to have um the 10.8 stuff so i had a ck magma bag because i liked the look of them at the time um i had it all kitted out with barco stuff inside all barco um because that was popular i had irizola screwdrivers nice um they're still about in some form or another but Not you know good. um they were my favorite screwdrivers i had that i had my bag i had um Everything you needed in it. And I walked onto a job in Hurley Tesco's. First day on the job. I said, yeah, leave your bag there, mate. Put my bag down. Went to the toilet. Come back, my bag was gone. What had happened? Um, travellers come round from the way and uh, put on a couple of high vis walked round and picked up everyone's tool bag, walked out again. Nice, Jesus. <laughs> Gutting, in it. I bet you were mortified at the time. You're laughing now, but I bet you was not laughing that day. No, I, I just went home. I, just went <laughs> home. I was like, I've got no tools, I ain't going home. And you're paying me. Uh, it, it was, it was, uh, that was gutting. So my advice would be, you know, you're going to go for a couple of sets before you get responsible with your tools. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Nice. That's that's a good shout. And also, just just while we, we leave this one, what would be your suggestion on someone who's just finished their apprenticeship and they're now trying to get a start somewhere? Because there's a lot of people who've got in touch, trying to get trying to get a start in the game. You know, they've got their NVQs, they've got the gold card, but they're struggling. To, I mean, I know it's difficult now anyway. But in normal times, what would be your go-to suggestion for someone just trying to build their way in? There's, there's two ways. Uh, it's the easy way and the hard way. Um, and it's this simple. One, you, um, if you know someone, get on one of the WhatsApp groups, one of the job sharing WhatsApp groups. They exist. Um, Sparks Link is the best run one. It's um, if you want, like anyone who uh, who's listening to this needs to get on a Sparks Link or get onto one of the job sharing platforms. Hit me up, Mark. Put the details in the in the show notes. Sure hit will. me up for that. And I'll get you put on it. Um, that's an easy way. There is a agency list that can be provided, which I'll provide Mark with. Um, I'll give you the agency list. It's a name and number of all the agencies in and around London. Um, so that's a powerful list. And it, it it comes down to that's the easy way. So getting on a job sharing platform um, and getting the agents and calling around all the, and registering with all the agencies. And then just churn in the agencies every day until you get a job. You will get a job. Getting a job in the electrical industry is is like anything, directly proportionate to the amount of effort you put into it. Now, you'll get an agency job, no problem. I could if I moved down here, started looking for a job down there, within a day I had a job around the corner. 
So I've moved from London, no contacts down here, phoned up agency, got a job in a day. So it's really easy. Now, the way I'd recommend, um, and it has its drawbacks, but if you want to earn good money and you want to, I, let me preface this with agency, working on the agency is not a career. Let's just get this out of the way. If you work on an agency as thinking that's going to be a career, you're going to have a very sad, very unhappy career. Nine times out of ten. There's some people that will get through, there always is. But I would not recommend that. It's soul-destroying. Um, you're disposable. And what you don't realise is that will catch up with you. That feeling of being disposed, um, dropped on a Friday, dropped a week before Christmas, you know, dropped a month before Christmas. You get dropped a month before Christmas. You get pumped a month before Christmas. There's very little chance you're going to get another job before Christmas. That's your Christmas ruined if you ain't planned for it. Now, second piece of advice around agency work. Don't live paycheck to paycheck. Give yourself options. Go and get a pot of money. Save money up. If you're going to go on the agency circuit, have some money in the bank. You do not want to be beholden to the assholes that you will meet on these jobs. And they have that power over you. Get off my job. Get your tools and fuck off. That is what they have over you. And if you're desperate and you put yourself in a desperate position by living from paycheck to paycheck, you will find yourself becoming resentful and the same old thing will be said. Oh, this industry's fucked. I should have become a plumber. No, you shouldn't have. It's the greatest industry in the world. What you have to do is you have to plan for these things. So if you find yourself in the position where you're in the agency... Save up as quickly as possible. Give yourself options. Be able to take that 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 knock on a Friday, and, and not be absolutely effed for the rest of the month. Mm. That's really really important. That's my top piece of advice for agency life. Secondly, get off the agency as fast as you can. Mm. Now, the best way of doing this is if you go to a job, and the agency, and, and it's you're not getting paid the right money, you're or you know. Um, you're not happy with the hours and whatever. Don't go to that job. This is goes against all beliefs of agency workers. Don't go to that job and just use it as what we call using it as a phone box. So you go there, you don't do any work, you just ring around for the next job. You will find that doesn't get you anywhere. Go there, do the best you can, put in a good shift, You and by doing... The best you can. This is a winner's mentality. I've talked to loads of people about this. I'm not saying I'm a winner. I'm not saying it, but I've seen this work for people. Go there. Put in a good shift. Be proud of yourself. And good things will come from the fact that you put in a good shift. You've done it for yourself. Don't do it for the boss. Don't do it for the money. Do it for yourself. Get that get that, that mindset right. And what And to get off the agency, what I would suggest people do is get on Google, create a list of local job, local companies, um, every single local company you can find, create a list and start being your own agency. Be your own agency. And before long, you'll have five or six people that you work with regularly. And because you've been putting in, like you've, you've got into a rhythm of going on to a job and doing the best you can, 
before you know it, you don't deal with agencies no more. You're dealing direct. And then, and you're, whilst you're dealing direct, you're doing a good job. They're, they're starting to rely on you. And you go, mate, by the way, my, uh, my rate's going up in a, in, in, at the end of the month. So it's going to be 250 a day instead of 220 a day. And they go, they would either go, oh, I can't afford it. And at which point, you know, you've got options because you've got money in the bank. You've got five other people you can go and talk to. You can start empowering yourself that way. Do not get caught in the trap of, you know, walking off a job and picking up the phone and going to another one with agencies. It is a soul-destroying life, and that is my experience. I'm not saying it's everyone's, but if I would say it's a lot of people, and I don't like to give out advice. I don't have any answers. I'm, I'm a misfit in life, but <laughs> trust me... <laughs> That is one thing I've learned is yeah. the agency mentality will get you sad, resentful and disenfranchised with the industry. Don't take that mentality. Go to a site. Do the best you can. Keep keep hammering. Go to site. Do the best you can. Put in your best best effort. And then when St. Kells comes along, you'll go there. You'll do the best. And eventually you'll get picked up and you'll, and you'll make a name for yourself. And, and you won't be working for the agency for long. Um Guys, brilliant advice, Sam. And, you know, thanks for being so honest and, um, and and suggesting those things because there's a lot of people who just want to say what they think are the right things. And I know with you, what you say is what you honestly feel. And that that is sound advice um, that you've, you've given that a lot of people will get benefit from. Um, so, yeah, I just want to thank you again for all of your help through Apprentice One to One. I want everybody to know that the sexy logo of Apprentice One to One is this man's handiwork. He put time in to get that sorted because I am terrible, literally the worst person in the world to be in charge of branding anything. And Sam's really pulled it out of the bag there because it, it looks fantastic. So thank you very much for sorting that. And I know everyone's going to know who you are anyway, but you always say this to your guests. So I'm going to say this to you. Where can people find you? What have you got coming up that's exciting? Where can we find out more about, about Sam and all your exciting adventures? So, um, so we do Monday Club, obviously. Everyone knows us through Monday Club. Well, people who listen to Monday Club know us, not everyone. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, Monday Club. So you can find us on Instagram um, under EGT Podcast or Electricians Podcast. Instagram, Twitter, uh, YouTube, um, Facebook. We're on all of them. All you've got to do is type in EGTE, Electricians Podcast, something like that. We'll come up. We'll be there. Um, yeah, that's me, really. Nice one. Thank you very much for doing it, Sam. And uh, no worries. It's I'll been chat an with you. Pleasure. Lovely. I've really enjoyed it. Thanks for chatting, honestly. And I'll see you on Monday Club next week. <laughs> Thank you, mate. Catch you later.